right, welcome to the first podcast of Sexually Speaking with Shannon Hamaker. I am your host, Shannon Hamaker, where we talk about real people, real experiences with sexuality and intimacy. And I'm so excited to be kicking off this podcast. It's a brand new year, and you're going to hear lots of different stories, starting with my guest today, whose name is disguised as Aria. Welcome to the show, Aria. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so thankful to have you on the show because your story, whether you realize it or not, I think everyone has a story when it comes to sexuality. And the reason why I asked Aria to be a part of this podcast was because her story was several years in the making, but in just three short months, I saw a transformation and a perspective shift when it came to Aria's sexuality. Now, what I mean is the first party that she came to, well, let's be honest, she was kind of drugged there by her friends. She was going through a divorce. It was not a good situation. She was hesitant and very giggly about everything, but uncomfortable, visibly uncomfortable. And that was a party in May. And then I see Aria at this party three or four months later. And she's almost like a different person. She's much more interested in finding out more of, I think you, I think you even got a book to read, right? If I'm correct, Aria, you're open to like learning more about your sexuality and kind of reclaiming it and finding out what you've been missing all these years. Is that kind of true? Yeah, I, I don't think I got a book, but at the very first party, my friends had convinced me that I needed, as they called it, a bob. And so and I had to even ask what bob was. Yeah, battery-operated boyfriend, yeah. And um, actually, I bought that from you at the first party. And yeah, that, that started the change for me. Well, let's back up because I want to hear kind of your journey with sexuality. I was surprised to hear that it was not a pleasant one as far as anything. You know, being a woman, you have expectations of of sex. You're told messages growing up about sex. Some people, they learn sometimes too much. And then some people, they can't, they don't feel like they have anyone to ask about these things. So can you kind of give me a an idea of what your upbringing was like and what messages were sent to you as far as sexuality goes? Well, I, you know, my mom was, was pretty open about things. Um, if I had questions, I remember <laughs> my third grade teacher was pregnant and my mom decided that was the time to tell me about how that happened. And, and she was pretty open about it. I don't ever remember it being a taboo subject. Um, but I, you know, I never really felt comfortable asking questions. My dad was really strict and, um, I knew that if I ever came home pregnant or anything that would just devastate my parents. So I just never, I never messed around. I just didn't. You were on the straight and narrow <laughs> Absolutely. Didn't drink, didn't have sex, didn't do anything through high school, through college. I just didn't. So when did you meet your ex-husband? Um, my, the very first day, my freshman year of college. 
mm-hmm. I met him and he's the only man that I had ever been with. I was a virgin up until three days before I got married. Wow. Three days yeah. before you got married? Yeah. <laughs> we decided that maybe the wedding night wasn't the time to do that. So yeah. And so we sneaked one in. <laughs> what was the early, right? What was what was that like? It was awful. <laughs> It was awful. It was painful. It was, um, yeah, it was not good. And what were your thoughts around marriage and sex and intimacy? Like, what did you see your role as far as sexuality goes with your husband? Well, I... I never imagined that it would be painful. And when it was painful, you know, I thought, well, everybody says the first time hurts. And, and so I kept waiting for it to get better and it didn't. Um, and so I think that was frustrating for, for both of us because then I was tense and I was scared and, and then eventually got to the point where I just didn't want to try anymore, um, which was sad for both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once you have that pain associated with sex, it's very hard to get over that because it's right. like if someone pinches you and you know, someone's about to pinch you again, you, your body tenses up because it kind of prepares for that pain, but it's uh, absolutely right. So having that association with trying to have a, a healthy sex life in your marriage had to have been difficult. I think it was difficult for both of us. I mean, I, neither of us was experienced. I was his first, he was my first. And, um, I think that it, it, you know, he tried to be very patient and, uh, and he was for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. I had two surgeries and, you know, each time I'd hope it would get better and it, it didn't. So what were some of the things that your doctors would tell you? Because I'm, I'm guessing you, like if you went in for your annual checkup, were you comfortable enough to talk to your OBGYN or your primary care provider that you saw often enough yes. to say something and what were their yes. suggestions? Um, the f- First doctor actually recommended um, these stretchers that I looked at them and I said, no, hell no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Um, And then I was, I was having lots of other pain other than with sex. And so that was when finally a doctor, we had probably been married for like two or three years. Um, that a doctor said, I think, I think this is the problem. And, and he was an OBGYN and he didn't, you know, he did lots of things and this wasn't his specialty, but he did find the endometriosis and tried to clean it up, but it, it never helped. Mm-hmm. So those were really my only experiences. I did, I did complain um, to them. I was very honest about it. I didn't feel ashamed necessarily by it. Uh, 
eventually I guess I did, but initially I was just, I couldn't figure out what was happening. I didn't understand. Yeah. You just, you felt comfortable enough to, to ask questions. Yes. Answers that you, yes. Which is is right. And, and, and ask for suggestions, you know, I'm like, what can I, what can I do to make this better? And they had suggestions, nothing ever worked, Mm -hmm. um, which was frustrating and disappointing, especially, you know, years later when we thought, well, gosh, we want to start a family. We got to have sex to, to have a kid. So (laughs) that was, that was hard. Right. So, and then if I remember correctly, you had some fertility issues on top of everything else. Yeah. There were fertility issues also related to endometriosis. Um, it was unexplained fertility problem infertility, but, uh, I had a second surgery, which was extensive. I actually traveled, I was living in, um, in the Southern part of the United States and traveled to Georgia to see a specialist. And, um, so had surgery in Georgia and he, like I said, he was a specialist, hoped things would get better. He told me to give it about six months, which we did. Um, I, I felt some better, but sex wasn't any better. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up consulting a fertility specialist when we got home six months later and tried to worked on an adoption, all sorts of things. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you were spread thin, so, I'm sure, trying to figure out what was going on with your body and then to add that to everything that's going on. It's just yeah, like- it's, it's very emotional. And, and to not have that connection we tried, you know, we tried lots of things, you know, they'd suggest positions and all sorts of things to try to make it more comfortable. And, and it really came down to just gritting my teeth. Um, and that's what's sad is I don't know how much, how much of that was a part of not getting pregnant. Right. Uh, so the, the place in Georgia, just to back up, I know I've heard, is it the pelvic pain disorder group or is there a name that you remember you no know, it it was in atlanta and honestly it was quite it was in the 90s that oh. i went and honestly i can't remember the name of it the funny thing was that the surgeon was an ex denver bronco that's how he got himself through medical school <laughs> that is too funny when worlds i know which i thought was kind of cool yeah he was a professional football player to pay his way through medical school. So <laughs> that's one way to do it. Well, it is. Yeah. So you ended up being able to get pregnant, obviously. Yeah. Through, um, I had what's called IUI intrauterine insemination. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after taking fertility drugs and all sorts of things for, probably about six months and I had IUI and it worked the first time and I had less than a 30% chance of it working the first time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> We're due your, your miracle, miracle baby. Yes. He, he, he was a miracle. Absolutely. So then what happened 
after that, after you had a baby? Uh, yeah. And the sad thing is through all of this is the desire was there. There was always desire. It just never, it just never felt good. And so I think, you know, over time, then the desire lessened and, and it was pretty stressful. Mm -hmm. And I think desire is a natural part of, of a woman or a man. And, and so that would come back up. And so then, you know, there'd be those efforts and the efforts just over time became less and less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is hard on both, on both sides. And that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with is having the desire. So having the desire, but then not having your body be able to follow that desire I can imagine that that had to have been very right. And then I, I was, um, and then I had a miscarriage, which was ironic and sad because <laughs> I didn't even know I was pregnant when I was 39. Um, and I think that that affected me more than, than I realized. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I went through lots of procedures to make sure that didn't happen again and to try to lessen the pain I was found to have, uh, I, I had a lot of bleeding and, and a lot of that kind of stuff, which also does not lend itself to fun sexual <laughs> life. Right. And, uh, so I had a uterine ablation and I had, uh, my tubes, I had an Esher procedure um, so that I wouldn't have, so that I wouldn't get pregnant again. Because uh, the, the pregnancy was hard. Um, and at 39, it didn't, obviously I wasn't made to, to do that. So, um, and I had some major health problems at the time. So it was probably good that I didn't, that the, pregnancy didn't wasn't sustained so so you've been with your husband at this point in time for how many years um it had been let's see probably 17 years so 17 years of trying to be intimate, have children, right? feel connected in some type of way. Was there, was there much reciprocation as far as trying to figure out other things aside from intercourse? Were there other ways like for, yes. Okay, good. Because I, yes. I yeah, absolutely. So there was some, you would be able to be intimate in other ways and yeah, receptive to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it worked just not, I think I always felt like I was more on the receiving end and I think he just felt like he was more giving mm -hmm. than receiving, which was probably the case. Mm -hmm. So it's not, that's not a bad thing all the time though, Aria. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it was all the time. So if I'm being honest. (laughs) Flash forward to 2017. Uh Uh-huh. What happened to get you to have your friends drag you to my party in May? (laughs) Uh, Well, my husband left me for someone else, which was a shock. And I, some friends had been chatting and they were talking about their bobs and I was like I looked at him and I'm like what's Bob and I really had no idea um I you know nobody had ever told me masturbating was bad or anything but I just never really did it I guess I had tried and it just never did anything for me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so they were telling me about it and I just kind of laughed and and a friend said oh well I'm gonna have a party we need to make it like a divorce party for you and so they gave me kind of a hard time and, um, and I decided I was like, you know, I have to start a whole new life. And so I want to see what this is about. So, so I went. <laughs> and you got your Bob. I did. Uh, the very first night was so, it was so funny. Cause I had, I, I had two friends there and, um, they all got new ones. I just got my first one, but they all got new ones and we were texting each other. (laughs) (laughs) And I pretty much burned up Bob the first night. So yeah. (laughs) Well, didn't I kind of have to encourage you to take one home? Like you weren't you know, you actually, you didn't. I, I had decided when I went to the party that I was going to get one. And, um, the funny thing was is financially at the time, I probably shouldn't have, but I had decided I needed to make an investment in myself to be perfectly honest. That is right. And I, so I did. And, and my child still ate. I did not starve him. (laughs) (laughs) but um I had I enjoyed it so much that first night and I was hooked I was hooked and I think that it just made all the difference for me I don't know why but yeah it did (laughs) well it was a chance for you to rediscover your body in a positive light as opposed to having someone you know feeling like it's always a negative thing. This was a chance for you to go, you know what, I'm going to figure out what's going on with my body because they change. Your bodies change over time. Yes. And I am, I am menopausal as well, which probably was, was something else that threw, you know, a whole chink into that Mm -hmm. already something that was already a problem. And, uh, and I think I, I surprised myself that, um, that I enjoyed it. And, you know, I think that it was freeing that there was nobody that I had to, re- there was no reciprocation. Um, you know, I didn't have to feel guilty. I didn't have to feel, 
I guess I, I mostly, I just didn't have to feel guilty that I wasn't doing something for someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes and sense. And that was, that was freeing for me. So then what happens? You got your first Bob. <laughs> and he was plugged in a lot. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so would you yeah seriously the first night I killed him so yeah <laughs> now, would you attribute that that first kind of awakening to your friends having a conversation about it and inviting it was it part of the party was it something that you researched on your own like what what was like the breakthrough moment where you said I'm going to get a toy because I remember you played, you played like you were not going to get one. And that may have just been in the open living room area where we were talking about those things, but. (laughs) Well, I think that part of it was, um, yeah, this isn't something that I knew very much about. And, and I really appreciated the, the party because it did, I, I have a sense of humor. And so, and I don't know that I hide behind it, but I think it makes things easier for me. And, uh, but honestly, I talked to my friends and kind of asked them what they recommended and things like that. And I really was pretty sure I was going to get something that night. I was pretty determined. Um, but yeah, I really had no idea. I really had no idea what I was in for and how much, how much I liked it. So how freeing it was. Yeah. (laughs) So then we start, you start dating, right? That was another piece of the puzzle after your first toy, you kind of said, I'm going to put myself back. Yeah. Yeah. I had actually started dating, um, when I was at that first party and my therapist and I had, had talked and he was like, he had told me, he said, I think you're ready to get out there. And, and I wasn't looking for anything lasting or whatever, but I, I did have, you know, a brief, a brief fling (laughs) and, uh, got my confidence, got my groove back. And it was crazy because I had no pain, none. Wow. And I was so terrified. I was so terrified because I would have been, I, I did not want to have sex with anybody because I was so, I didn't want to be humiliated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even with my Bob, I didn't know that that was going to work, but it, it did. And so, yeah. And I still don't know what that's about. You know, was it just tension? Was it, I don't know. I've heard that before. somebody just different. Yeah. I've heard that before where it different was, shape, different size. I don't know. <laughs> a, a mental game. I, I don't know either, but I've, I've heard some similar stories where there was pain for so long and for whatever reason, unfortunately the relationship didn't work out. And then there was dating someone else and the first time where someone had penetration and lo and behold, there was no pain anymore. So I'm not sure, 
I think it may have been a mental mental thing going on that Bob helped you break through. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not really sure either. Um, you know, the doctors told me I, I was diagnosed with another with an autoimmune disease, um, probably eight years back. And my doctor told me, you know, she's like, you need to have sex. You literally need to have sex because things will just close off. You have so much scar tissue. And so, you know, I was sucking it up and I was, and it was hard and it was so painful, but I, I, I just did it. And, um, and honestly, I still have some trouble with it, but if I have too much, which had never been an issue before, but if, if I, yeah, if I have too much, too much sex, it, it becomes painful, but honestly, it's, it's nothing like it was before. Well, lubrication and I think just the knowledge of how your body works. Right. And I, and I think that, I think orgasm is like one of those things that is for some people is like so it's so intense that it's almost it's that fine line between pain and pleasure mm -hmm. and I think that I was scared of that for a long time and so I would like kind of push it down and through this process and I think with the toy I realized that I I am multi-orgasmic and I can go on forever. I mean, seriously, I can go and go and go. Congratulations. And I know it's super exciting. And, and, you know, I think that menopause doesn't have to be the end of something. It can be the beginning of something. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I had that conversation with someone recently where, age, you know, the whole anti-aging creams and anti-aging this, it's, it's kind of a false sense of like an, an unattainable expectation to not age. Why shouldn't we age gracefully and beautifully and learn to accept our body as it grows older and find the new fun that you can have with it and kind of redefine what intimacy looks like and just exactly don't dread it. And the byproduct of that is menopause can be a lot easier if you are taking care of yourself and you're in a, in a healthy relationship, not only with someone else, but with yourself and their, your expectations of your body. And yeah. Right. And, and I think I had no expectations whatsoever, which I think makes a difference. Um, you know, I had so many years of what I felt like were failures and I really had no expectations. And I put myself into an incredibly vulnerable position by even trying. Um, but I, I found the right person and, <laughs> um, and he was patient and kind and, and gentle and, and it just, it, it just worked out and I have discovered a part of myself that, that I, I really appreciate and I really love whatever happens. I've got a smile on my face and goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> that 
makes me happy. I love seeing those perspective shifts and that's why I appreciate you diving a little deeper with me and talking about your experience because I hope someone else will hear this and feel like they can kind of take the reins and figure out what works for them because what works for one person does not necessarily mean that it's good for everyone and it's tough in the medical field you know when you've got women and people saying that they have pain during intercourse and you have to have this medical side but then there's also this psychological side that goes hand in hand with how your body works so i'm thankful that you were able to revisit what works for Aria and you've got this new journey of sex exploration and you're having fun and you're also learning the emotional ups and downs of you know post like post dating and post <laughs> yeah. and all the crazy stuff that's going on yeah it's it's not for the weak of heart it's hard it's hard to get back out there and and I have to say I between my therapist and pure romance, I think those two things really helped me. Um, had I not had the right mindset, I, I probably never would have gone to the pure romance party um, and been open to that. I know I was giggly and silly and, and yeah, that part of that was a protective thing, but I think I was, I was willing and I was open to it. Um, and I think, and I thank my therapist for that. Um, so it, it is hard and you have to get through the pain because you don't want to make a bad decision. You don't want to just be out there making bad choices for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and I knew, you know, he told me, he said, I think you're ready. I think you're ready to date. And I, I really appreciated hearing that and I was terrified, but, but you, you can't get anywhere. You can't improve yourself if you're not willing to put yourself out there. That is right. I think that's a perfect note to end on because you got to get a little uncomfortable to find out new things about yourself. Just absolutely. So <laughs> And there is nothing more uncomfortable than dating in your extremely late forties. So just saying. <laughs> well, I would love to continue. Of course, I'm going to stay in touch with you and see how things are going. Of course, of course. More parties, more parties. Yeah, most definitely. And thank you for taking this time. I hope that it helps someone again, have a perspective shift. Is there anything else that you might want to tell someone that's going through a painful both physically and emotional, maybe going through divorce or anything that you, you want to shed some light on? Being well, I, I think that it does feel like the end uh, when somebody doesn't love you anymore. And it's, it's a journey and my journey is not over. It's still going but there are lots of people out there. I had amazing friends that helped me through it and amazing friends that kept me laughing and amazing friends that turned me on to some new stuff. And I had to be open to that. And having a sense of humor really helps you get through things. <laughs> and I lost that for a little while, but 
I, I got it back and, um, and menopause isn't the end either. It's people try to tell you that. And it's, it's not divorce isn't the end. Menopause isn't the end. So, you know, just finding the right tools and the right people to help you out is, is key. Perfect. And also a side note for those of you that may be going through, oh gosh, like the pain during intercourse, or if you know you have endometriosis or something just does not feel right, be sure to talk to your healthcare provider. And if you feel like your questions are not being addressed, then you can go to our our website, the Patty Brisbane Foundation. It's pattybrisbanefoundation.org. And that is our nonprofit that is focused on women's sexual health. And that's where you can find a list of different doctors that might be able to help you out. And the research and education that we have that a lot of the funding goes towards. So there are answers out there. The research in sexual health is still so new. They're still finding things out and we need to hear your voice to hear what's going on and uh, can point you in the right direction where you need to go. So thank you so much for taking your time today to join us on Sexually Speaking with Shannon and stay tuned for some more exciting podcasts coming up this year. We're going to have some fun conversations with sex in college. What is it like to be a college student and be in that dating scene? It's uh, less of a dating scene. I should just put that out there. I'm learning some interesting things doing all of my college parties. So we'll talk to some college people about sex in their 20s, and then we'll have some sex through the ages conversations with people like sex before kids and after kids, newlyweds you know, all kinds of different good conversations surrounding sexuality. So if you would like to add something, feel free to message me and we can address some of the questions and concerns that you have as well. Oh, Shannon, bring me back for that. Uh, yes. I was <laughs> menopausal. What? Menopausal or postmenopausal? Where you oh yeah. I'm having more fun now and I've tried more things now than I ever would have in my twenties. <laughs> when you start to feel comfortable right yeah Yeah. i know know. good stuff all right well until our next podcast be well to yourselves i'm trying to think of something fun and creative to end the podcast but i've got nothing so i'll have to come up (laughs) (laughs) but thanks for joining us on sexually speaking with shannon oh and If you would like to have a pure romance party, or if you need someone to come and talk to you about anything sexually related, let me know. We talk to churches and schools and uh, schools 18 and over, so usually colleges, and we do have lots of good information out there for all ages through the life cycle of sexuality. So until then, we will see you soon, or you will hear us soon. (laughs) Bye. This is the Wooden Pants Network.